Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Shitty Christians. I'm your host, Zachary Allard. And I'm Buck Williams. Buck, we're bringing you in here from GNN. Special report. To talk about the tribulation. That's right, baby. Trials, tribulations, and the underground church here in Los Angeles, working in entertainment. Michael Tabor, you've been secretly Christian forever now. <laughs> I am truly the Kirk Cameron of the 2010s, I think. <laughs> Uh, you might be the Kirk Cameron of, of the 2000s as well. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm the Kirk Cameron of the 2010s because I'm increasingly deranged. Nobody wants to work with me, but somehow I just keep sticking around. I do love that, like, he was being interviewed by Entertainment Weekly in 2014. It's like, what was he doing in 2014 to be interviewed for? He what? was being the former star of Growing Pains. <laughs> That's what he was but doing he's in always being the former star no, of they, Growing Pains. They, he has this ability. He pimps that to get to, like, he was pitching his marriage counseling seminars on Entertainment Tonight in 2014 by... Because he was, you know, on Growing Pains. Should we try to check out his marriage counseling seminars? Absolutely. Uh, well, I mean, the Very Legal, Very Cool guys did. That was all connected to Fireproof. That's, That's all him. right. That's right. Yeah. You know what I what I love is that, like, every Christian of note, like, remember when we did with CDT the episode about counseling? Yes. Basically that, like, if you're a famous Christian, you're a pastor. Mm-hmm. And if you're a pastor, you can counsel people. That's it. That's the only That's qualification. The whole like Kirk Cameron isn't even a pastor, but he's still out there counseling. Right. Jerry Falwell Jr. basically operated as a counselor and spiritual <laughs> oh, leader for all Liberty University, and he was just a lawyer and sex guy. He was just he was just orgy guy. I mean, if there's one qualification, I think, to be an evangelical pastor, it's being a sex pest. That is clearly the most consistent across all denominations. Sex pass. It's upsetting. Okay, so we're back. We're back <laughs> in the Cameron Extended Universe. Yeah. We are back for Left Behind 2, Tribulation Force. That's right, baby. We've gone military. Tribulation Force implies a more exciting movie. Yeah, Tribulation Force Im- implies any sort of underground element when mm-hmm. in actuality the entire <laughs> entirety of this movie is just a bad Sunday school like experience. It, I still have fun. Yeah. And this is going to be a fun episode. It was not as fun as last week's episode. Yeah, so maybe to set the stage. Yes. Returning to the Left Behind universe, yep. Tribulation Force takes place a week after the events of the first movie, which was surprising to me. Because while there are 12 <laughs> books in this series, it's covering a seven-year time span. So if the what first the two are taking place over the course of you know approximately two weeks... If we're picking up a week after the events of the first movie, and then everything happens pretty quick here, um, you're going to be covering a lot of ground. <laughs> uh, and not unlike Game of Thrones, the series, mm, I yes. guess, as it spirals on, ends up with some continuity errors and big time skips. And it is a shame that we will never get to see that realized on celluloid. I, I'm really sorry that we don't get to see all of the demented shit that happens in the back half of this book series on screen. What do you, if we raise a couple million dollars, do you think Kirk Cameron would come back for us doing Left Behind 4? I think he would. I... What if he was like playing the same guy? Like the same, no, like don't explain the 15 tw- the year gap. Well, I mean, to be fair, he is ageless. He I don't know if good. he's only gotten more beautiful. With yeah, time. I agree. He's Listen, way I, I know there's been a lot of Twitter discourse like, hey, don't simp for villains. Kristen Cinema is just a middle aged, like, what white is lady. up with the cinema simping? Okay, I'm sorry. We have to continue. <laughs> I'm just saying, uh, I, I cannot cast stones because I am an unequivocal Kirk Cameron simp, despite the fact that he is among the more deranged human beings that I have ever spent time investigating. Definitely not as bad as Kirsten Cinema, though. I'm sorry. 
Yeah, yeah. I think the material... He's doing less harm. I don't know, though. He <laughs> He's marriage counseled a lot of Christian people that cannot have ended well. What if that was his calling? I'm done. Okay, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Okay, okay. so we're back from Tribulation uh, left Force. Left behind, too. Uh, to sum up the experience of watching this movie, this feels like the direct-to-DVD sequel of a hit film a little bit. The budget yeah. feels lower. I don't know what was actually spent. I couldn't actually find a lot of good information about the budget of this With movie. movies like this, it's often extremely uh, opaque. But yes, I mean, I know the first one had a $4 million budget, mm. and it had a lot more special effects than this one. This one pulls out all the stops for exactly two scenes. Yes, Two scenes, two scenes, things happen. And those two scenes are fucking rad. I love those scenes. I'm really excited to talk about that. And I wanted wanted more of them is really the issue. But the problem is it spends a lot more of its runtime in hotel rooms and basements. And a lot more of its runtime pretending that you give a shit about these characters and not the insanity that's happening around them. Right. Which is a damn shame. There's yeah. a lot less conspiracy, a lot less investigation. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is also distinctly a much more evangelical movie, which is hard. Yeah, but there's like six or seven scenes it feel it felt like when I was watching it of people just preaching and laying out the gospel. Oh, yeah, and conversions. Everyone is just getting converted in this movie. Like, left, right, and center. Anyone that has, like, caught Buck Williams' eye at a, like, bus terminal yes. saved eternal salvation. That's his superpower. But let's get into it, because I, I want to be clear. While I think this has a slightly rundown feeling, yeah. <laughs> uh, there is still a lot of insanity that happens in this that yes. I'm really excited to get to. I've also done a little bit more research on mm. from whence current Cameron yes. came, so we'll be sprinkling some of those That's juicy exciting. nuggets into this. And also, I found out that the third movie actually has a much higher budget than the previous two. Hell yeah. They got Sony backing, yes. and they get Lou Gossett Jr. as the president with a gun. Lou Gossett Jr. is a good actor. So I am excited. Knowing where this goes, this is yes. sort of doing a reverse Star Wars, where the second movie is really not pulling its weight. <laughs> but there is still some entertaining insanity. It's so definitely let's... a little bit more Two Towers. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. Uh, without, uh, with nearly the same level of homoeroticism, though. So oh, yeah. can't be all bad. For sure. So we begin a week later. And I want to say it feels like years have passed. It's very strange, yeah. the whole, like, a week later. Because... All the relationships have progressed. It's the whole world has changed and it's just madness. And like, it, it, so anyway, we come in a week later, Michael, what's happening? So you get, you open on Nikolai Carpathia, the villain. His hair is different. It's been is a it? week. Why is his hair notably different? You didn't notice his hair change? I, I gotta say, listen, I was too busy what Cameron the, simping, clearly. What the fuck? I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Zachary. I'm struggling to accept your apology. <laughs> so we start with Nicholas Carpathia. Okay, so Nikolai, he, Carpathia. Nikolai Carpathia is uh, watching Buck Williams. <laughs> See, I'm not the only one. Carpathia yeah. is simping for yeah. Buck as well. Yeah. He's watching him on the TV and he's like, look at this man. This is a direct quote. Yeah. Young, energetic, honest. People trust him. I want him to join us. <laughs> he does say that. He says he's all of those words in that order. Men watching men <laughs> wanting to join them. Listen, they bring up later, the Bible says, if you look at someone with lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery. So I'm just saying, <laughs> I mean, I guess he's the Antichrist, so it plays. It right. all works. Yeah. It all works. But no, he is like staring at Buck yeah, yeah, yeah. with longing. Uh, as Buck is sort of just reciting a panoply of terror, yeah. he's mentioning how there's been like hundreds of millions of departed, which bold. Bold, like yeah, yeah. Uh, that you think hundreds of millions of people subscribe to this specific version <laughs> of Christianity. Uh, all the kids are gone. He's talking about like mass suicides. Like he is painting this really like 
oh shit, like it's dark yeah, out yeah, here. Yeah. Uh, that will get expressed in exactly one scene from this point forward. <laughs> uh, but he's also broadcasting his national news broadcast that Nikolai is watching as well as everyone else in this movie out of Chicago, that well-known bastion of national news. It's a, it's, it's a little weird. Uh, it's very good. And so you see Nikolai lusting for Buck. You see Buck doing a news broadcast. You see Rayford and Chloe, Rayford Steele, the wayward yep. pilot That's who right. came to faith at the end of the first movie. They're watching, and Rayford's like, I don't know how he does it, man. I don't know how he keeps quiet about what he saw. <laughs> and Chloe's like, well, he told me it's not about being calm. It's about looking calm. At least he tells me what he's feeling and then storms off. Introducing a whole... What? It's very strange because I'm not even really, never really, the movie never really follows up on it. But do you want to date your dad is, I guess, what I'm wondering? Well, that definitely comes up later in this movie. But yeah, it's like introducing <laughs> conflict, but there's no grounds for it and they never, it never comes up. It again. never comes up again. She's just annoyed with her father. And then we jump to one of my two favorite scenes of the whole movie, the looters. This is cool. All right, this is talk I, me through this. So Buck is like going through the city. You know, he's on his work. dope motorcycle. His motorcycle. He didn't have that in the first. Yeah, the movie. motorcycle is a very funny mood for younger Kirk Cameron. Again, considering that this happened a week later, so Cameron experienced the rapture. Yep, got saved as response. Mm-hmm. Saw the Antichrist cat motherfuckers in front yep. of him, in front of the entire UN, and then thought to myself, "It's time I got a sick hog." I mean, as we'll find out, homie, homie is about to pull some trim. You know, like that's what this is about. He knew it. he was like, "Hey, this is this is my year. This is a glow up." <laughs> hey. you, you think one little rapture is going to stop me? This is my year. I'm going to get mad late, bro. So he is on He's his motorcycle. Going on his motorcycle, going through a, a solid set. I gotta say, one of the few that they do where it's like there's overturned cars, there's trash, there's oh, yeah. like things on fire. There's like fire pits, there's a car yeah. actively burning. Again, yeah. this is a week later, a car is actively <laughs> it's burning. It's like, whoa. Uh, and then there's some like looters. Yes, three young ruffians who appear to be breaking the window of a old tired van. Right. And then some motherfuckers show up. A and security force. Security if force you will. shows up and just mows them down with automatic weapons. Straight mercs them. Just like, <laughs> it is like it is like eighties movie level squibs. Just like ba 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 ba. Just it was cool. They broke a window. It was a good scene. And then they got mowed down, which I think this means this movie might actually be prophetic because we all saw what happened to protesters last year. Is in this is this taking place in the American sniper universe? This was a brief moment where I was like, oh, is this is this movie secretly based? Is this movie yeah. like, yeah, no, the private security forces are going to murder us all. A cab, motherfucker. <laughs> Weirdly, that's not the direction it actually goes. But it's, it's a private security force of some yep. kind. They're not police. They distinctly no. say that. Uh, and they just roll in and murder some guys for breaking the window of an already burned out bus. Yeah, yeah, no, the, like the, the 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 van sucks. Yeah, and then Buck hops off his motorcycle again. This is what you do yeah. if you see innocent people being murdered in front of you. You hop off your mo- motorcycle to reprimand these young and he goes, gentlemen. Hey, you didn't that, have to that was kill some them. serious murder. <laughs> and they're like, who cares? And then they just roll out. Yeah, and I think what they're like. Look at the world around us. Who cares? Mm-hmm. And I think this is the idea that, like, mm. hey, these guys are living in a world without God, and hence they have no morality. So, of course, they do what all people who are not evangelical Christians do, immediately grab automatic weapons and start murdering everyone around them. It definitely is a distinct, like, white man thing. Like, hey, if God wasn't real, I'd just be killing everyone with automatic weapons. And it's like, hey, bro. 
I'm not sure that's a thing. Ever, that's not a universal feeling. And it's <laughs> extra funny given what we have seen from evangelical types and their their affinity as a part of their faith yes. with pulling out automatic weapons and capping motherfuckers. They are really all about standing their holy ground. Yeah. There it is. There it is. God damn, that was good. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> so, Buck leaves the scene of three murders that he was just, a witness to. Just bounces. Just is like, well, there's nothing I can do. Goes to work. And is told that Nikolai wants to see him. So good. And this introduces... It's been a week. You've seen him. You saw him like a few days ago. I know. I know. You guys are buds. Actually, less than a week. Because presumably when he murdered those people, it was a couple days ago. Some 48 hours ago. Yeah. Yeah. Which makes it very weird later. I'm going to bring this up now. When he finally does see Nikolai, he's like, I feel like you've been avoiding me. And it's like, dude, you saw him 48 hours ago. Bro, I'm sorry. Uh, notifications were turned off on Messenger. I, it's, it's been 12 hours. Why are you in my yeah, apartment? Yeah, he's just like clicking through his phone. It's just pictures of a progressively more shirtless Nikolai. Nikolai is simping hard. He's simping so hard he has yeah, to stalk look, Buck. Look, here's the thing. Go out for what you want, Nikolai. Mm, don't stalk people, Nikolai. <laughs> Stockman, Nikolai. <laughs> okay, all right. It's different. So, okay. Nikolai wants to see him. Buck doesn't want to do this. He's trying to avoid Nikolai. Yes. What with the whole Antichrist and murdering people and so Fine. on and so Whatever. forth. Whatever. Then. He murdered bankers. There were no people involved. <laughs> no real people, only bankers. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get news of what will end up being the uh, capstone of this entire movie. Yes. There's a rabbi. Why? No, no, no. Stop. We're doing tropes, Allard. We're doing tropes. The anti-Semitism cow is going to be real busy (laughs) this episode. I thought it was busy last episode. It's worse. It's way worse. How did it get worse? So who has Rabbi Ben-Judah? Rabbi Ben-Judah is, according to this movie, uh, the world's foremost religious scholar. A man of... All agreed upon. Yeah. Everyone just constantly is Everyone like, yeah, that guy. Everyone in the entire world is like, well, if Rabbi Ben-Judah says it, I know it is the truth. <laughs> like uh, that. Which is very funny. I guess we were living in a world where everyone in the universe was a Hasidic Jew, and that's why they didn't get raptured? <laughs> it's an extremely strange... It's an extremely strange, like, thing. It, it reminds me of this book I once read that was, like, self-published. Mm-hmm. And, and at one point, late in the book, I die laughing... Because they they describe a character as the world's greatest sauce maker. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> I remember just thinking like, what are the criteria? The sauce I, man cometh. And it's that guy, it's this guy, but for religion. It betrays a really interesting vision of how the world works, right, which yes. you see a lot more in the politics of this yeah, movie yeah, yeah. as well. Of just like, yeah, we clearly live in a world where everyone in the entire universe cares about what this one rabbi says. <laughs> right. that, that that jives with my understanding of reality up to this uh, point. A religion where like I think has fewer than ten million adherents worldwide. Like it's just very strange. Yeah. <laughs> everyone loves Jews though. That's clearly the takeaway. Is that like no one in the entire world would have any issues with this rabbi telling them. Which is very funny given that last movie they were like Israel has so many enemies. Yeah, yeah. No, it. this movie is incoherent. Anyway, but Rabbi, rabbi Ben-Judah Judah. has an announcement to make. That's all we get right now. He calls it the single biggest piece of news in history. <laughs> so just put that in the back of your brain. That By it, the end of this podcast, you too will know the single biggest an piece Israeli of news. An Israeli rabbi has some news. In history. Uh, then we get a brief moment of Nikolai uh, being begged yep. by a council of the UN to create a one-world currency. Uh, he manages to run through his villain moments mm-hmm. in this, like shotgun style. In in a single two minutes, he gets through. We uh, we now have a one-world currency. He mm-hmm. orders this to be so. That's yep. just a thing he can yeah. do. 
And then immediately after he orders it, it both has happened and he can wield the power of it to be like, okay, well, now that we have a one world currency, we can disarm every country and we're going to create create one religion. He uh, does that so fast. So I, I, first of all, the Iraqi dinar, all of you guys, you did it. You did it. Well Good done, job. everyone. Proud of y'all. Brought it to, to the moon, baby. To the moon. <laughs> uh I do love that immediately he is like, okay, so now there's we're disarming everybody. Yep, that's just done. That's how global politics work. And then it's like, okay, I think, you know, there's been an incident at the Wailing Wall. Oh, yeah. That's sort of the context for the one religion. There's mm-hmm. been an incident, and um, there were some guys, there was a fire. People were lit on fire. People were lit on nobody fire. Nobody knows why. Nobody knows why, but. The UN is making sure no one can go to the Wailing Wall, even though, as they remind us, it's one of the more holy sites. Yeah, yeah. It's it's all under lockdown. Buck gets curious. This is also a moment where, in the same breath that he's saying, yes. hey, we're establishing one more currency and nuclear disarmament, he also says, there is no heaven or hell. Uh, let us not look beyond ourselves, but to ourselves. There is no temptation or evil, for ours is the kingdom, the power, and glory, forever and ever. Amen. Nice. Which is a weird thing. For the Security Council nah. leader of the UN to just say? It definitely, here's what it betrays that I love about it. Yeah. Is that it definitely shows like what the writers of the book and the script definitely think the UN's already doing. Yes. They're like, this is obviously how you view the UN, right? This is this is what the UN is. Yeah, They're right. trying to destroy religious freedom. Right. This is obviously just a, this is just a bare satire of what's already yeah, happening yeah, yeah. at the United Nations. For for, for LaHaye and Jenkins, this is their Law & Order episode. Just ripped from yep. the headlines, barely narrativized. This is just reality brought to life with a little Kirk Cameron smile. Uh, yeah, one guy declaring world peace, one currency, and the end of all religions except his own. Boom, done, handled. <laughs> I declare it to be so. Well done, Nikolai. Yeah, good shit, bro. Got a lot of pull, I guess? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so. This is where we hit Ghost Wife. Yeah, let's do Ghost Wife. <laughs> we need to hit Ghost Wife. So Rayford, Rayford Steele. Rayford motherfucking Steele. Uh, is back in church, and he's having some feels. You know, he lost sure. his wife and yeah. his kid because they were good believers, and he wasn't. He hasn't he's been laid like 10, it. 12 days. I know. That's I mean, crazy. For Rayford, that's, that's an eternity. He does, he, does, he does drip sexuality. Way more so than Kirk. We'll oh, get yeah. there. Kirk is like so sexless in this. Is ex- Kirk is extremely chaste. All so right. Rayford. So Rayford's praying. And who meets his prayers but his dead wife. She literally appears to him. Who walks out of the back of the church like, hey, I was just in the bathroom. And hands him a necklace yep. that he then wakes up holding mm-hmm. in real life. Yep. It's confusing. I mean, it's not confusing. But they just believe in ghosts that give you necklaces. So this is in part an inspiration for what we're going to call a plot. Mm-hmm. So... The pastor, Clarence Gilliard, black pastor, wants, and Rayford, and Kirk, they they are all decide that they need to face down the Antichrist. Yes, yeah, so they, they have meet a at the church yes. with Chloe and Rayford and Buck and pastor. And they're all together, and they're like, hey, we have to do something. <laughs> and even in this, Buck is very entertainingly like, hey, we can't stop what the Bible says will happen, mm-hmm. but we have to do what we can. Right. And this is where they come up with the term. 
tribulation force. Right. I was kind of ex- hoping for a little bit more force, and instead it's uh, three people, or excuse me, four people in the bottom of a church, two of whom never leave the church. They're, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Two of whom. Black pastor and daughter never leave. Never leave. Never uh, leave. Never leave not only, like, the area, but basically the church. I, I'm pretty sure they, they are confined to the boundaries from there <laughs> then on. I think Chloe gets to go to the airport once. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so they formed this tribulation force. And I thought, I was like, oh man, this is going to be our Mission Impossible. I was excited. Behind, There's going to yeah. be some intrigue. They're going to have to get closer to Nikolai. They're going to have to have the tension of him sort of watching them. It turns out not a ton of that materializes. <laughs> uh, the tribulation force, as it turns out, is basically like your church work day. Yeah. Like, show up, mow the lawn. So, from here, they decide they have to get close to him so they can, you know, make sure that, like, they can't stop the Antichrist. But what they can do is make sure people hear the truth. That's right. They are here to evangelize to the world, save as many souls as they can. But they need to be close to Nikolai to do that, I guess. in order to do that, Rayford must become Nikolai's pilot. And and Buck has to become his guy, his news guy. So you end up with a couple scenes. Buck, So Buck is going to go talk to him, and Rafer's going to become his pilot. But first, we need a little bit of romantic intrigue. Because I think the most important subplot of this movie has nothing to do with the fact that millions of people are missing. There are no more children. And randos are getting murked in the streets by private security details wearing Bezos across their <laughs> chest for some reason. The most important subplot is that uh, the daughter... And Buck have some feels for each other. Oh yeah, they're they're, they're feeling hard. They are they are Jonesing. It's got a real youth group energy. It too, has extreme youth sublimated. group energy for like forty year old Kirk Cameron. It's like very, they never really say that they like each other until they are already deep in their first fight over yep. liking each other, which is a very funny level. Okay, of to like, be fair, that has happened. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying it's happened to me. Yeah. So Chloe is upset. <laughs> That both her dad and Buck might consider getting closer to the Antichrist. Uh, <laughs> Rayford initially is like, I'm not going to do it. We'll get right. to his conversion mm-hmm. on that in a second because yes. it involves suicide. It's a super fun topic. It's very cool. Uh, but she's worried about him. But then they, you know, they, they like, they're kind of making eyes at each other. They're making serious eyes. They're having long hugs. Yeah. Uh, again, coded as a teenager. <laughs> yeah. Coded, coded as, as, as in early college. Yeah. Anyway, not that later college would really make it that much different, given that Buck is at least 35. At one point, Buck is told by another rabbi in Jerusalem that he is one of the most famous men in the world <laughs> and that pretty much everyone knows his face. Yeah, no, he's which, essentially Anderson Cooper. Yeah, essentially this is Anderson Cooper coming after your college daughter, which, by the way, as we will see, Rayford not only is into, but helps machinate. <laughs> Rayford gets into plot. Yes, Rayford's probably is, is closer in age to Buck. Yes, than, than Buck is to Rayford's daughter. Uh, and all I gotta say is Buck's got swag, man. Good for you. She's I don't, she's over 18. Mm, Buck is swagless. Buck is My uh, biggest problem. Listen, swagless. I'm a simp, but Buck is swagless in this movie. Okay. Here's the thing. Here's the thing about Kirk Cameron. Kirk Cameron is not a lover. He's just not. He's spent his career, most of his career has been playing lover. But you know what Kirk Cameron is? What is Kirk Cameron? Kirk Cameron is a vessel of rage. Kirk Cameron's a bull cell. Kirk Cameron is the guy yes. that wants to beat the shit out of trash cans and other inanimate objects to prove he's better than them. Kirk Cameron (laughs) exists to do harm and revel in violence. Like the idea that Kirk Cameron can be playing meat cute just clearly doesn't work. Oh God, you know what I just realized we have to do? We have to convince Kirk Cameron to do our version of Dragged Across Concrete. Mm. A leftist Dragged Across Concrete starring Kirk Cameron who doesn't realize it's leftist. Equally reactionary. 
but from a cooler angle. <laughs> I the wanna... horseshoe theory in motion picture. Okay, imagine form. Kirk Cameron like walking, like bl- covered in blood, carrying like a bat, like walk approaching like, the camera mm-hmm. with like a guy laying laying on the laying beaten on like a slab of concrete, and he says, "You want to make another Brothers video, motherfucker?" <laughs> <laughs> that movie would fucking slap. That movie would fucking slap. So. Uh, we're gonna be raising money for that in the Discord yep. real soon. Cool, cool. Uh, okay, so this subplot takes up a lot of time because uh, what is her name? I can't keep calling her girlfriend. Chloe. That, Chloe. So Chloe. <laughs> uh, the pastor's name is Steve, so you can stop calling him Black Pastor too. <laughs> <laughs> the movie, to be fair, basically treats yeah, him that way. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. But Chloe goes to Steve and is like. Do you think relationships are okay during yes! the end time? Her opening line is not to buck to express any interest. I forgot about this. Thank you so much for bringing this up. She, How could you forget? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, she goes to Pastor Steve Barnes and is like, is it okay to get jiggy with it in the apocalypse? Like, here's the thing, Black Pastor. She says that, not me. Can I get dick down? <laughs> and Steve is like, I don't know. Maybe not. Steve is cool. Steve, Steve is also a bull cell. Yeah. Uh, no, Steve is like, I don't know. Maybe this is your sacrifice, is letting Buck go. They haven't even talked. No. There has been no kissing. No. There's just been eyes. But like, And they've known each other for less than a week. Yes. But the pastor is like, oh, it's time for you to relinquish Steve from the bondage of your heart. Right. Her response to this is to put on a nice dress yes. and go to Buck's apartment yes. to dick down. To dick down. What, hap- what happens when she shows up at his apartment unannounced? Yes. This is incredible. This is incredible. This Your is, next okay, move. This is so funny. Like, Buck has already established that his apartment's kind of a secret. At one point, yeah. he receives a phone call there, and he's like, nobody has this number. How did this happen? Yeah. Like, Buck is keeping his, like, swanky pad <laughs> on the, the DL. enormous it's a, it's Chicago apartment. They shot it in an aircraft hangar. It's yeah. absurd. It's, the big, it's bigger than the friend's apartment. And he's keeping on the DL. And, and she crosses the murder streets. Yeah. She is like a 20-year-old woman, and she is just crossing streets where people are getting shot on the daily in just a summer dress. Again, this this film is established like looting martial law on the streets, and then half of the movie takes place right. at night. She's just she's out and about. They yeah. have church at night. And, like, she is serious. Not that it matters, but she is like dressed in just like a cocktail dress. Oh, yeah. She, it, like... Absolutely first date material. Just like wandering through murder and pillage. Yeah, I I hope that she herself sought a few looters on the way just to let them know who was boss. And what does she run into but yet another side plot that will never go anywhere in this fucking movie? (laughs) A whole other character. Here to yet for unseen in our audio drama. Uh, Buck's assistant. Who, here are the two things you need to know about her. She's engaged with someone else. Yep. She kind of has the hots for Buck. She's just generally sexy. Like, I'm not saying I thought, but she is coded as yeah, generally yeah, yeah. like a sexual woman who's out and about in the world being engaged and a little bit hot and looking kind of eerily similar to Chloe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Buck, Buck Williams has a type. Yeah. And so, like, and Buck so- has allowed his assistant to stay with her because obviously everything is in chaos. And so, what happens? But Chloe knocks on the door. And this assistant, Ivy, answers in a towel, washing her hair, having just washed her hair with an engagement ring prominently displayed on her finger. Mm-hmm. And she's sassy because, you know, she's not saved. So she's allowed right. to be sassy. Right. The only people that have She's any, allowed to have a personality any, and sexuality. Any personality in this movie yeah. are the unsaved. Like, this is a story about, like, 
joining a cult and losing all of your personality. This is it's a it's a story about joining a cult and the opposite of most cults you get no dick. It's, <laughs> it's really weird. Frankly, it's a nice change of pace. Yeah, it's a slight from the actual experience. Uh, and she is just immediately like, "Why do you want to talk to Buck? You think you're the first co-ed to show up around these parts? Get to step in, honey." It's very aggressive. It's very aggressive. No attempted at explanation. No. Chloe walks away feeling that she has immediately understood that Buck was secretly engaged this yep. entire time and has just decided from this point forward she will have no communication with Buck. <laughs> who Until. Would, who would ever do something like that? <laughs> Until Rayford Steele steps in to sell his daughter's hand in marriage. <laughs> Let me see if I can walk through this quickly. I'm excited. Unless you've got it. Do you have, I've been talking. So what happens from here? Is she is at home being sad. You know she's sad now because she is in oversized pajamas. And yep. that is mm -hmm. the movies. And, and I think life's universal code for women to be sad. Is that they're wearing baggy pajamas. Ice cream. Yep. And she's like, Buck's a piece of shit. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And her dad's like, I, I think Buck's pretty cool, actually. I, I would like to suck his dick. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you're not going to. Rayford is also <laughs> simping for Buck in this moment. <laughs> and... Basically, she's like, no, I don't want to talk to him, blah, blah, blah. Buck calls. She's like, hey, Buck's like, hey, I think there was a bit of a miscommunication, and uh, I want to come and make it right. And she's like, he's like, and so then Rayford lies to the daughter yes. and is like, okay. This is the key. I'm Buck is Buck having tomorrow. a conversation with Rayford. Yes. Not Chloe, because Chloe yeah. doesn't want to talk to him. Rayford invites him over, yeah, but, but does it in language so that Chloe won't notice. And then lies at the end and says, okay, Buck, I'll see you tomorrow. Yep. So Rayford has has fully enacted a plot <laughs> against his daughter's wishes yep. uh, to bring Buck over to seduce his daughter. Which, I don't know, might invite questions. <laughs> yeah. Questions about consent, about uh, you know a person saying their desires and those being roundly ignored. Yes. Uh, and then Buck shows up. Yep. As he was told to. And Rayford says he's in the shower. Rayford lies again. He's like, <laughs> what do you want me to do? I'm in the shower. You talk to him. Rayford, not in the shower. Is lurking upstairs so he can hear every word. Not in the shower. I'm unnerved that he was naked, though. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't unnerved that he was naked. I was unnerved what he was doing while he was naked. Yeah, that was that was some, like, you know, the end of Blood Meridian. When the judge mm. is naked in the outhouse. And yeah. he pulls the boy in there with him. But we cannot describe what happened, for it was too horrible. Yes. That was this. Yeah. No, it, it's it's got some vibes. Uh, Rayford <laughs> Steele bringing that Melrose Place sort of dark sexual energy mm -hmm. to this moment. He was on mm -hmm. uh, Melrose Place. You I'm can sure tell. Look at his hair. Look at him. Uh, so, of course, they eventually hash it out. She realizes that, you know, she had misinterpreted the situation. Mm -hmm. uh, this is immediately Apologizes. a story of her, yeah, her she being super apologizes. wrong. She also gives him a weird ultimatum where she steps outside and she's like, you have nine minutes. Which that is was, a hilarious that number. Time? I was wondering about that time. I was like, is that? I've seen this scene a thousand times. I've never seen you like, you have one minute or you have two minutes. I've never heard somebody be like, you have 13 minutes and 42 seconds. Yeah, that's like a long amount of time actually to that's explain That's a fair yourself. amount of time to explain. And then at the end, he's like, so how am I doing all my time? She's like, you can have all the time you want. And then the creepiest part of all of this, uh -huh. she goes upstairs uh -huh. She realizes that her father has lied to her he's about a fucking all liar. of this. Yeah. He's in full clothes. She's like, shower, huh? And then, having realized that this was all part of his deception, she yes. kisses him on the cheek and says, thank you, daddy. Mm. 
And this restores their relationship. Remember, they were kind of at loggerheads. For reasons For we don't really know For every moment about. Yeah. from this point on, she's calling him daddy. Uncomfortable. Don't yep. do that. So, yeah. uh, and she's like fully like loving towards him. The thing that heals their relationship is him being a deceptive piece of shit that did exactly what <laughs> she asked him both to not do and to help her not happen. Yep. Super cool and fun stuff. The patriarchy, so dead. And then from here on, her entire job is to be a, a praying girlfriend. Oh, yeah. A praying girlfriend and nurse. She's just immediately a nurse. Uh, the church has been converted into, like, medical care. She's caring for, like, multiple dying firemen. Yep. Again, like, this is just envisioning a world of horrors taking place just off screen. <laughs> and it never bothers showing us. But there are, like, multiple people brought in with, like, third-degree burns that she then evangelizes to as they die. But doesn't appear to be offering them any medical care. No, but, that is a big... to be fair, that is the most accurate thing in this movie. hey there it is. Uh, so Franklin Graham shows up to be like, check out my hospital. We just yell at people. Yeah. Around this time. Yeah, we should get to the actual plot. Because that's pretty much the end of the romance. Right. Around this time, Nick Nikolai appears vampire <laughs> style to buck on the the ceiling the ceiling the roof of his of his apartment complex. Yes. Buck gets in an elevator, presses the down button, but wait, the elevator is going all the way Holy up, baby. Shit. I, lo I love that in this thing, the way that you know that evil happening is because they hacked an elevator or maybe even just pressed a button. Yeah, it's... it's uh, <laughs> They it's, had it's an cool. override code, so you know they're evil. So Nikolai is standing on the roof of this building and he's like, Buck, you've been avoiding me, Buck. It's been 72 hours. Why didn't you respond to my dick pics, Buck? <laughs> and Buck is like, I, I, sent, I, I did respond. I, I hit the Apple like on it. Uh -huh, like, yeah, uh -huh. come on, man. That's fine. Do you That's have an fine. Android? We could have just been getting crossed up. It's hard to say. The Antichrist definitely has an Android. I said this is an Android user. And he's like, hey, Buck, here's the deal. I have taken all media yes! under my wing. <laughs> I now own all the media, does. basically. Yeah. No, like all media across the world. And Buck... To the Antichrist, who he's trying to deceive, is still like, but freedom of information and, he's and like, uh, the, the press is important. Uh, the f a free nation begins with a free press. To the Antichrist that he's supposed to be you ingratiating. No, he's the Antichrist. Why are you arguing with him? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. You're really bad at being undercover when you are vocally expressing your uh, how much you disagree with him. Well, they're uh, doing the same thing like libs do on like every fucking Netflix show now, which is like. You can't even depict evil. You can't even pretend to be evil. You, yeah, yeah, everything yeah. depicted must be good. Christians kind of agree with that. Like, that's that's why, you know, the even the bad guy can't be that bad. Anyway, uh, the Antichrist says, I need you to be my man. I need yeah, you to be my yeah, girl I, Friday. I need you to be the head of our entire global news team. And, and, and basically, I need you to, you know, to like... Do the news from our perspective. Because people to, trust you, Buck. To uh, to sort of paraphrase succession. Yep. You know, it's it's independent, but from our point of view. And then uh so so Buck agrees and he says, I, I need to I need to be able to go where I need to go. I need to be independent. And Nikolai mm -hmm. Carpathia is like, Yeah, okay, buddy, yeah, sure, whatever. whatever. I he says, I welcome the accountability. Yeah. Shake shake my hand, bitch. Yeah. And shakes his hand. And then after this, Rayford Steele does the same thing, but with his former paramour. Yes, so Rayford goes uh, goes to Hattie to beg for a job. He, because they need a pilot for the Antichrist. So Hattie, if you'll recall, was a flight attendant in the mm -hmm. first movie. Yes. Who then immediately becomes Nikolai's right-hand uh, like assistant and like person who gives orders uh, because Buck said so. Buck recommended right. her to the position. 
Uh, and she is fully enamored with Nikolai at this point. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, Correctly so. Also, I found out, I, I don't know how I missed this the first time, she was portrayed by uh, Kirk Cameron's real-life wife. I don't know how you missed it, because they are both foxes. Oh. Yeah, the two hottest people in this movie, it makes sense they would be together. Yeah, of um, course. I mean, I, I always find that calming. <laughs> I find it nice when I know that these two hot people are together. Uh, they also met on this set of Growing Pains. We'll see if we have time to get to all of my Kirk Cameron trivia that I've been DPIing into <laughs> in this morning. Uh, but just know that he both married somebody who played his, girl, played his girlfriend on Growing Pains and got somebody kicked off who played his fiance on Growing Pains because he found out she had appeared in Playboy. At 17 years old, this dude is getting people written off series. Wow, dude. Very cool guy. Very, Very cool, cool guy. guy. Anyways, uh, so... Rafer goes to beg for Hattie. He's decided, he, you know, initially he didn't want to be near the Antichrist. Mm-hmm. He was scared of him. But then he helped convert a suicidal friend of his. And there's a very funny scene where Rayford is, like, trying to take a gun out of this guy's hand as he expresses that he has no hope. But that convinces Rayford, once yes. he has saved this man's life, that he needs to do this to save humanity. That's right. So he goes and gets the job. And then we end up on a plane. Let me see if I have this handy. This makes me pretty happy. Um, so the movie finally is kind of cohering a little bit. Yeah, they're they're all heading to Israel, and so we're now in a situation where Rayford, Buck, Hattie, Nikolai, and for some reason Buck's boss, who is also a now just it's, part of Nikolai's entourage. He's just a dude. He's just around, but they're all on Global Community One. Hell yes, and they Hell are yes. flying to Israel to hear this speech from the Rabbi Ben Judah. But secretly, Buck and Rayford are now undercover. They're going to try to get information, and they have a plan, you see. Yes. They're going to take the rabbi to the Wailing Wall. Well, okay, but why? Because but why, Zachary? Here's the thing. So they're doing some spy shit. Finally, we're on the plane. We get a little spy shit. By so, spy shit, I mean Rayford walks through some doors and copies a single file. But that's that's something. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's an improvement. <laughs> yeah, so Rayford does that. He actually gets caught one time by Nikolai. Oh, yeah. He thinks he does. And Nikolai, like, grabs his hand and, like, shows him his, like, demonic face underneath. His See, I don't face. think that was Nikolai showing him. Oh, interesting. I don't think that See, was... See, I Ni- interpreted that as a threat from Nikolai being like, bitch, I'll kill you. See, I definitely interpreted it as because... Uh, Rayford has been faithful in his faith. Mm-hmm. He is yes. able to see for a brief moment the truth of Nikolai's demonic visage. That's what's so beautiful about this text. There's you know, layers. it's the layers. The different right? interpretations. You can come away with sort of, you know, one of us is watching one movie, the other is watching another. Can you step into the same Rayford steel twice? So we now get our second effect shot of the film. We had looters getting shot. Yeah. We now have Demon Nikolai, right. uh, you know, freaking out Rayford. Uh, we'll get to the third one, but we should cover Right, but, okay, so what happens is he steals a file from a laptop because apparently the Antichrist is just, like, not encrypting anything. Yeah. It, he, I know it's O2, but come on. Come there on. There were passwords. It was open. The laptop was just the open. Laptop he opens was open the laptop was open and on. It, it wasn't, he didn't even turn it on. He didn't have to enter. He was, like, literally, like, open up. Oh, look at the secret file right here. So he gets the file, and he and Buck on the plane. Apparently, this is proof of the 30 Rock Theory of flying. Nobody's flying this fucking plane. Oh, no. At any point. It's mm. just doing its thing. Yes. And they look at it, and they re- they have Rabbi Ben Judah's speech. They're like, "Holy shit! How did he get a copy of this?" And they start reading it, and they realize the speech. The most re- important news event. This is a, it's the most important news event in history. And they realize. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you laughing, Zachary? <clears throat> 
And they look at this speech. They, they get a copy of it. They're like, that's crazy. I wonder how Nikolai has a copy of it. And you might start recognizing it. They're talking about biblical prophecies that seem to be about Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. his bones weren't pierced. He came out of Egypt. Blah, blah, blah. You fucking get it. But they're not about Jesus anymore, Michael. Mm-mm. Who are they about? Nikolai. Oh, my fucking God. What the shit? Rabbi Ben Judah is about to declare definitively yes that nikolai carpathia is the messiah holy shit that is the biggest news event ever and so they realize because obviously that they that nikolai must have gotten to rabbi ben judah and used his mind shit Mm -hmm. on rabbi ben judah to erase the truth and because what it is saying even though you would have to like know 60 other fucking things to do this that rabbi ben judah realized jesus was the christ and then nikolai tricked him into saying that he was the christ yes they make a point that the speech has been rewritten by yes. the global news corporation <laughs> they're like why is this news team rewriting rabbi's speech and then they realize that rabbi has been deceived and they need to go to him yep and they need to bring him to the truth and what is the truth you say well as it turns out there's these two dudes hanging out by the wall yep and they've got to get him there because those two dudes, I guess, are uh, the church pastor is like, these are the witnesses. They're spoken of in Revelation. They declare the truth of the Messiah. <laughs> and also, they get to do cool things with fire that we'll get to shortly. Yeah. So they land in Israel. Yes. Land of contrasts. They made the desert bloom. And we spend most of Israel on a couple sound stages because obviously they can't afford to be Because everything in this movie was shot in Ontario. And. So they're briefly in a hotel room, Buck and Rayford. Uh, Buck talks to the daughter, whispers some sweet nothings in her ear. Uh, he had previously kissed her on the cheek once, which, oh, which, yeah, got, that me, was sassy. which got me pretty hot and bothered. Mm-hmm. They and, took some photos in a photo booth, and then he pecked her cheek. So you know it's true love. And just chemistry all over the place. Hell yeah. And then he's just hanging out with her dad. Like yeah, they're just yeah. palling around. Being he spends like, a lot more time oh, with his dad than he does with her. They've got more. They have, they have a lot more sexual tension. And they're like, we're going to do this. We're going to, we're going to, we've got a plan. So what happens from here? They have to find Rabbi Ben Judah first. Yeah. They go, they go to the world's most problematic soundstage depicting Israel. Oh, it's so bad. <laughs> Let's just take You need a to describe. <laughs> what is their depiction of Israel? Um, I'm going to say about 20 awkward looking white dudes in yep. anti-Semitic dress. Yep. Uh, and then like dubbing in goats. Yeah. And it's all like the one angle because that's all they could build and it they're envisioning modern day israel looking uh, approximately pretty similar to like biblical era israel it's uh it's like if your church ever did a christmas play yeah where they depicted bethlehem it's like a nativity that's so fucking good it's got big nativity and it does it does absolutely so they find rabbi ben judah and they're like hey man what's up and Rabbi Ben Judah starts going off about the one world government. The and new, how much he loves Nikolai. The, and the new one religion and how that's obviously the truth. Yeah. Because he they, says there's no heaven and no hell. He's now parroting the words of Nikolai. That's right. The foremost religious scholar has fallen. The scholar that we all agree is the man. Yeah, clearly. Right. Like you've got Hindus and Sikhs just being like, damn, this guy, the foremost religious scholar. That's right, baby. And so they're like, shit, he's been brainwashed. We have to get him to the Wailing Wall. That's right. Which seems crazy, but uh, here's the problem. The UN and Nikolai have basically said anybody who comes to the Wailing Wall will be shot on sight. And yeah. they've put a bunch of troops around it. 
Now, so Buck this whole time has been trying to get to the Wailing Wall to f find these witnesses that are yes. there preaching and figure out what's going on because it's mm -hmm. all covered up. And he's trying to pitch this to Nikolai. It's like, hey, I'm going to disprove them. And that's how right. he pitches it to the rabbi, too. And he's like, hey, come and hear what they have to say. You can expose them on national television. The whole world will see that they're frauds, and then everyone will fall in line for your one-world government. And Nikolai even has a line where he's like, if I wish Buck could, or he's like, if I thought Buck could, I'd do it. It's just so funny. He's like, funny. It's the one thing Buck can't do is break my heart. It's a weird, like, Zelda boss energy of just, like, Nikolai signposting his weak spot really, really hard. Like, yeah, it's funny to me that, like, Nikolai, like, demon who can, like, change people's mind and what they think is just obsessed with Buck Williams. It's like, <laughs> one, my one weakness is that beautiful man. Like, it's very strange. It's very strange. So, Buck now needs to find a way to get past a UN block blockade where Nikolai has escalated it all the way to anyone who shows up will be shot on sight. Right. So he, Rayford, they hatch a plan. And the world's foremost religious scholar. Who was on board for this for yeah, no reason? Just shows. It's Even like, okay. once they're like, no, we're going to shoot you. He's still like, no, this is important. I'm going to do this in defiance of the guy that I love who I'm now. doing this for. Okay. So they show up. There's a, there, there are a bunch of soldiers. Mm -hmm. What happens here? How does Rayford get them through the fire? Well, the fire line, excuse me. Yeah, so so the soldiers pull their guns, they're yelling commands, they're telling them they're going to shoot mm. them, and then a <laughs> voice appears. Yes. And we get maybe the most uh, egregious use of the magical Negro trope that I have ever seen. Which is impressive. Uh, they bring out a woman who is briefly singing outside the church early mm -hmm. in the movie yeah rayford like has a moment with and mm -hmm. it's very weird there's no explanation she's also an all-white turns out she's an angel mm -hmm. and she is now singing amazing grace yep and that has stopped time mm -hmm. and allows them to pass by the soldiers who are frozen unscathed yep it's uh but I, all I that say, you it was, see it was moving was it yes. all that you see is a black woman coming out of nowhere to start singing Amazing Grace. <laughs> <laughs> and then all the soldiers stop moving. Yeah. And so Rayford Buck and Rabbi ben who is <laughs> still on board, still just like, yeah, oh, cool. It's <laughs> frozen soldiers, soldiers in time. And they come through, they come to the Wailing Wall, mm -hmm. which basically just looks like a giant wall. I'm going to I'm going to drop a little knowledge here. Yes. After I finish this movie, I immediately watched the 30-minute making of documentary just about this disgusting movie. shit. Yeah, I'm I'm a horrible Pervert. person. We all know Nonsense. that. Nonsense. Uh and one of the things they are most proud of in this movie is their wailing wall. They spend solidly 10 minutes of this documentary being like yeah, we looked at pictures, and then we made it look like the pictures. And like, look, there's plants growing out of the wailing wall. We have fake plants growing out of our fake wailing wall. Uh, they are immensely proud for what essentially amounts to like 90 feet of styrofoam. Uh, not tall. Why? And there are two gentlemen who also have very big Bethlehem energy. <laughs> yeah. They are like coded as Middle Eastern Jewish folks wearing the same things that your kids would wear during the sort of uh yeah they they are in like biblical era robes biblical era robes but that are priced at hobby lobby prices yeah 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 because there's a lot of them and sort of patchy beards and they start talking in uh, both hebrew to rabbi ben judah in english is what kirk cameron hears and kirk cameron's yeah. filming them and they just basically give an extremely basic 
sermon about Jesus. What is so funny about this is that this is supposed to be the, the thing that uh, changes the mind of the world's foremost religious scholar. Who's been brainwashed. Who has been brainwashed by the Antichrist. It's a cool movie. It's a cool and good movie. Uh, <laughs> and all that they do is recite scriptures. Yeah, just scriptures that he would know. That he has undoubtedly spent a lot of time Not studying. Not only would know, but given his tradition, would have memorized. Absolutely. I mean... It is utterly bizarre. This yes. movie posits a world in which hearing a Bible verse is tantamount to being converted by the Bible verse, despite the fact that it's mostly speaking to communities of people that have heard these Bible verses. Uh, it's so arrogant. I'm going to get to it here in a little bit, but the way this movie treats evangelicals, the dumbest people in the world, treats Jewish religious scholars, some of the most well-read people in the world for like, I don't know, 4,000 years. They've been doing it a second. Yeah. It's I'll say just, that. It's been a minute. It's been a hot minute. As like, they don't know the scriptures. Yes. Is some of the most anti-Semitic bullshit I've ever seen. Oh yeah. It's it's real, real bad. And it's But it's also a little bit funny in that like, you don't know who you're talking to. You, have, you haven't even done the research to understand, to be anti-Semitic. And, and you don't even understand these people. Yeah. They are just like, they clearly have never read. They don't know that Daniel's talking about Jesus. They've never thought about that before. These people have never thought about Christendom before. And this is this is exactly the kind of thing you see mirrored in like Ken Ham, Answers in Genesis yes. style stuff. This idea yes. of like, I'm going to go to an expert, spew the same five shitty talking points that mm -hmm. I do everywhere and think that I won this debate. Uh, or, as I watched also in preparation for this movie, Kirk Cameron having a debate with two atheists, wherein he pulls out a picture of a duck with an alligator's face and says, see, this is what evolution believes in. If evolution was real, why don't we have duck gators? Checkmate, atheists. A duck gator would be cool, though. Yeah, hell yeah. I gotta be Super, honest with you. I'm disappointed I, in evolution, which is real, not doing that. Yeah, it's a shame. Uh, uh, okay, so... Rabbi Ben Judah has been converted. Immediately converts. Immediately, immediately converts. He hears five Bible verses and immediately changes all of his thoughts and opinions about everything. And his brainwashing goes away. Yeah. Or maybe he just got re-brainwashed. I think I... Yeah. Ooh. I think it's implied that, like, he gets unbrainwashed yes. more than anything. Than, than he both gets unbrainwashed, but he also, like... Well, yeah, and it's... Has a sincere conversion. I, I want to get to... I, I don't... Yeah. I want to get to that, because okay. I think it's implied that the sincere conversion took place before mm. when he was about to give the speech, and now he's being returned to his previous gotcha, Antichrist gotcha, gotcha. self, and I cannot believe we're talking about the plot in this much detail. <laughs> we, we are worse than everyone that made this movie for oh, yeah. caring. Oh, yeah. For caring... We are worse. So then comes my favorite scene in the movie. The only, the only truly excellent YouTube-worthy scene. This scene is so good, I can't. I, I, uh, you have to watch it. So the soldiers have woken up. The angel, I guess, sucks. And yeah, the angel. And couldn't hold she them finished the song. Long. What did you want her to do? She did all the verses, and now it's done. I guess she couldn't. She couldn't do another. Yeah. And so the, the soldiers show up, and they just start fucking shooting. Oh yeah. Just they just are like. <laughs> Again, I just, wish this movie had more of this energy because they just love shooting guns. The two cool. times they do it, cool. they have a lot of fun. Uh, Rayford and uh, the three guys. Are, yeah, three Rayford, here. Ben, and Buck they all hit off. the ground. They hit the ground, and the dudes, the two, the two, the two prophet guys, the witnesses, the witnesses. Excuse me. Uh, just stand there. The bullets don't affect them. They're matrixing super hard right now. They're like yeah. holding out their mm -hmm. hands. The bullets. And just then, going right through them. And then they respond with a little a little, a little, little bit of offense of their own. Uh, in what... 
is <laughs> such a cool X-Men energy. Uh, these guys open their mouths. Yep. And flamethrower. That's right, baby. Like 10 guys. Just just murk all of the soldiers <laughs> with that. They just murder them all. So many people who were just doing their job. Not saying it was a good job, right. but these are not the people that created the no. situation. Just destroy them. And you and, see dudes like on fire, oh, dying, yeah. screaming in pain. And I just, I need to it's say, so having awful. watched the behind the scenes documentary, this is the scene that Kirk Cameron was most excited about. Yeah, I mean, like you said, rage. Because he is a creature of rage. And he looked upon this and he turned to someone else and they were like, that guy is recounting the story. He's like, yeah, Kirk was really into this. He looked at me and he was like, look at us. We're making the Bible come to life. Yes. As men writhe on fire before him, which they spend solidly 30 seconds <laughs> oh, just yeah. showing dudes on oh, fire. Oh, yeah, it's cool. Uh, because they're so proud of themselves for having had this in their movie. Uh, and that just, that just, that's what, that's the world that Kirk wants. That's when Kirk gets hard. Kirk doesn't get hard. Kirk doesn't just want to wa- watch the world burn. He wants to watch God do the burning. Mm-hmm. Like, specific people. Yeah. Uh, specific types. Of, anyways. Um, and. Kirk's words. Yeah. So, the next day, we have the big speech. Yes. This is the end of the movie. This is, this is the crowd shot. Yep. They're we- on the steps of the temple. Mm-hmm. Rabbi Ben Judah, they haven't seen him. He escaped in all the craziness. Yes. So they don't know what he's thinking or what he feels about what he saw. Right. And so Nikolai Carpathia just bounces. He tells <laughs> so funny. one of my favorite fucking moments it's is so that funny. he just decides, like, I don't even need to be here. So I'm going to be in the air. In Nikolai's world, mm-hmm. he is about to be declared the Messiah yep. by the, the only religious scholar that anyone gives a shit about right. in the entire world on national broadcast right. to the entire world. And he's like, no, I can't make the, I can't make it. I'm busy. I got, I got, he's I got even there. He leaves it right before. Yeah. He does an announcement and he's like, we're going to have this speech mm-hmm. in an hour, yeah. which he, is extra funny. <laughs> like then he somehow gets to the airport. Come yeah. on. So, I mean, I'm, listen, he's the president of the world. Uh, I'm sure that he can make it to, you know, private jet or whatever, but it's very funny that they had to give themselves the time yes. for it to be believable that he would be up in the air it's when this is happening. Extremely funny. He tells Buck, he's like, this is the moment I want you here. Yeah. Shooting this is it. what it's all been for. So baby. Buck is his own cameraman again, as the most famous man in the world. Yes. And, uh, Rayford flies, flies him out. Yep, Rayford's gone. He's flying the Antichrist. So Ben Judix gets up there and starts talking about this like messianic figure who's going to come. Came and out this, of Egypt, didn't get bones, didn't have any broken bones, blah, blah, blah. This has some real, we talked about last week that these mm-hmm. guys did a prophecy show. Yes. And the, you can really see them flexing their prophecy mm-hmm. muscles here because they are like, there are 108 prophecies that are about the Christ. There are 567 messianic prophecies in general. For one man to fulfill 20 of them, it would be a one in 100 million yeah. chance. Like they are doing all their shtick. This is yeah. everything that they care about. And, and, and they're and putting this that. Is, this is actually the the peak of the anti-semitism yes. is right here yes. because they're basically saying that like i the dumbest evangelical man in the world have, a- th- have thought of things that these guys who have spent millennia pondering these scriptures never would have put together they've never heard of this jesus guy it is absolutely absurd that not only do you need to like have this moment in your movie yes. where you sound off on this but you have to put it in a rabbi's mouth you have to put it in an israeli rabbi's mouth it is it's really disgusting I, like it's it's like it's so insulting to an entire religious culture and history that it's like they never thought of this before. 
And it's like, fuck. And, and on the steps of the temple in Jerusalem, like, fuck off. Yeah, you know, by which we mean the soundstage yeah, in yeah, Canada. Yeah, of course. Oh. But still, just fuck yeah. off. The audacity of these Canadian motherfuckers. Right. They'll climb, and so he declares Jesus the Messiah. And the climax of the movie is a, an Israeli rabbi declaring Jesus the Messiah. And, the, and like, and he, of his record, own volition, in theory. Yeah, he is declaring this as absolute historical fact yes. that's his big takeaway is that this is not his opinion mm-hmm. this is this is absolutely demonstrably true uh historical fact that he has figured out which is a really weird thing and it's just it's some desperate christian energy like you so want the the jewish folks to be like you're right like just like get over yourself you had to write a movie where you converted this guy so that you can make him say what you want and in theory implying that like now israel will fall in line like yeah. do fuck off fuck well, off and- as this is happening, yes. you see Nikolai in anticipation watching mm-hmm. this on his feed, uh, being like, okay, uh, <laughs> I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm going to be Jesus now. This is cool. And then you see his shock and horror as he realizes that Ben Judas declared Christ and not himself the Messiah. Yep. And then he says, cut the feed, because again, he's in charge of everything. Right, but... but- Rayford. Rayford motherfucking steel coming through in the clutch <laughs> manages to open what looks for all the world like your car's fuse box. It is not clear. <laughs> that is just in the cabin of the plane. And he pulls out a single transistor. Yep. Just one. Just the, and the right one. And pulls down yep. all of the communications for the entire plane that again is ruling the world. Right. Air Force One, but global now. Right. One transistor. Wow. It's a real shame that Nikolai didn't just wait for the speech. <laughs> it's so good. So Nikolai is powerless. This goes out to everywhere. Mm. And this is the like the Ewoks at the end of mm. Return of Jedi. Like everyone starts cheering and right. celebrating. Uh Buck's sexy assistant yep. uh, immediately starts crying and repents and, and converts Jesus because she's been hanging out with the the girlfriend. Yeah, she's been hanging out with Chloe. So now they're they're a thruple now. That's all decided. Nice. Uh and like People all over the world are riotous and rapturously responding. By people all over the world, I mean the 10 extras they right. got for this yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to this news that Jesus has declared Messiah in the Holy Land. Nikolai, furious. Furious. Filled with rage. Absolute murderous. Does his own speech to God. Yes. Where he's like, he clears the room and he's, got, he's like, this is my time. But what I'm trying to get at is like, and then nothing happens. <laughs> Nikolai ended this last movie capping two motherfuckers in front of everyone yeah and then did some mind control shit mm-hmm. nikolai ends this movie asking to be alone and then yelling at god alone yep. in the cabin like where did that bde go man you should be you should be like destroying cities right yeah. now yeah like, you're let the me ruler of rage. the world and all you have to say is this isn't over god <laughs> like it is <laughs> such a betrayal of the yeah. best character in this movie and like the one chance you have to have somebody mm. do some legitimately fucked up shit, some interesting yeah. fucking shit in this movie. But no, even the Antichrist is a Sunday school ass khaki wearing yeah. motherfucker in he, this movie. He gets cucked. It is. He gets cucked hard, and that's the end. Yeah, and then the movie ends. And then, and then the movie ends with everyone back at the church all Just hanging, hanging out, out, singing a hymn. Together. I thought this was a tribulation, y'all. Like I thought this was underground. Like. <laughs> Yeah. Both Rayford and Buck are still a, like part of undercover. Yeah, close some of the closest people to the Antichrist, and they're showing up not to an underground church in secret, which for the record would have been fucking cool. Oh yeah, uh, it would have been, been awesome. cool if you if you really went for it with the like. If Christians. you had Christians getting shot, if 
the same guys who showed up to church and started mowing people down. Hell yeah. Be cool. That would have been that would have been interesting. It would have been, you know, extremely reactionary, but sure. it would have been fun. But there would have been a thing happening. Yeah. I mean, this is their dream always, right? Yeah, like you're, go you're for it. To envision a Put Christians in camps. That would have been cool. Wait, that's my dream. Fuck. <laughs> Shit. Fuck. God damn it. Uh maybe that that'll be uh movie theory. Uh, it's just really upsetting that it's envisioning yeah. this persecuted church in which they all meet publicly, declare Christ, and even the Antichrist, I guess, doesn't give a shit. The, the smallness of their imaginations is so apparent here. Like, they can't actually, because they've never been persecuted, they can't actually envision being persecuted. Yes. They, they'll they let looters get shot in the streets, and that's not persecution for them. But they're getting persecuted super hard. Uh, you get yet another altar call here. And again, we've skipped over a lot of it because it's boring, but it really cannot be overstated. Yes. Just how much, like, textbook, bad, like, street preacher level evangelism is crammed into this. Uh, whether that's the, have you ever lied? Have you ever stolen? Then you're a liar and a thief. Do you think you get to go to heaven if you're a liar and a thief? Like, that is a thing that Buck <laughs> says to a suicidal man who then almost kills himself in response. Cool. Cool and good It's stuff. not great. Uh and what I found out, it's so, the first movie at its core is a thriller. It's yeah. It's a highly religious thriller, but its bones right. are a thriller. Yeah. This movie is at its core a piece of evangelical propaganda. Right. The thing that it cares most about is saying the same shit you've heard in all these mm -hmm. other contexts. As it turns out, we have one Kirk Cameron to thank for that. Because Kirk of got his hands on some rewrites. You see, he didn't think that this movie was evangelical enough. Ah, so he brought in some of his favorite pastors, specific lines. Like, I watched this pastor, Ray Comfort, who Kirk has been running with no. since he got saved at 17, like, give this exact same speech to a drunk dude on the Santa Monica Pier on YouTube. And it's the exact same speech that Kirk is giving here. And there are multiple moments where he is just quoting from Ray Comfort's, like, street preacher style. Oh, God. Uh, and walking you very directly through, like, the Romans road, wages of sin is death, gift of God is eternal life. Like, all of this yep. stuff. Um, yeah. The the messengers quote John 3.16. Oh, yeah. yeah I yeah. forgot about that. Yeah, John 3.16, a, a verse that nobody has heard of, is what these people <laughs> It's what helps de-brainwash <laughs> someone from the Antichrist. It is, it is a really... Uh, the number of people that get saved, like, uh, you know, we talk about how evangelicals like to treat people as notches on a belt. Mm. All they care is getting you to say mm. these words. And there are literally moments where, like, dying suffering men yes. are being yelled at as they die to repent before they go and then they do and everyone cries and hugs and they're just like oh he died in agony but thank god he, he said those words now i should probably call my boo yeah it was it was not as fun it was it definitely all of these movies are doing an interesting thing where they're pulling in a certain amount of like non-religious talent to mm. get it made. Yeah. And I really feel like that first director who is a stuntman understood yeah. that the thing that this movie needed to have was stunts in action. Yeah. And increasingly as it became enough of a success to get another one, you get the feeling that the hyper-religious nut jobs, mm. including Kirk really got their hands into it and just made a worse product, which yeah. is a shame. It's too bad. But, I you did get two guys doing flamethrower mounts. You did have, like, dragon dudes just fucking doing the literal Dragon Ball thing. Yeah, you got Nikolai doing a demon face for a second. That was cool. I wanted more of You that. got looters being shot in the streets in a moment. There were some things to like. There were there was the fun we had along the way. I think uh, I am excited to bring it home, though. I think yes. it's going to end strong. I that think is the impression that I get. I'm looking forward to it. And, I mean, uh, I think next week is the plan. Yeah. 
Let's do it. I think we got to bring it home, right? Yeah. I mean, I am excited for us to make it through the tribulation together, Zachary. Aw. All seven years. This underground podcast. <laughs> the one true underground church. Then we're going to have to figure out what we're going to do for the rest of the books that didn't get filmed. We'll cool. figure something out. Yeah. Uh, should we bounce? Bring it up. My name is Zachary Allard. You can find me at Zachary underscore Allard on Twitter. My name is Buck Williams. You can find me on GNN as the head of Global News Media. And you can follow the pod at shitty underscore pod on Twitter. Thanks so much uh, for listening, guys. We'll see you next week.